the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Earnestly seek to commend yourself to God as an approved worker who has nothing to be ashamed of, handling the word of truth with precision. We're glad you're joining us for today's program, A Word from the Word, with your host, Pastor Tom, who will unpack for us the richness and beauty of the Bible's original languages as they bear on key words and concepts from both Testaments. Our hope is that your walk with God will be strengthened and deepened, and both your understanding and application of God's Word will be enriched, and you'll be drawn to love it more and more each day. And now, here's Pastor Tom. Hello, friends. Thanks for joining me on A Word from the Word. We're continuing our new study, taking a closer look at Colossians. Our series is Don't Lose Your Head. Adapted from Colossians 2.19. And the podcasts are posted at faithtalk1360.com. Just search the menu for local program podcasts. Today, part three is, listen, do you want to know a secret? Borrowed from an early Beatles song sung by George Harrison. We've been tracing the supremacy of Christ in this incredible letter written to the congregation of Christ followers in the city of Colossae. Friends, I've been a Star Trek genre fan since the original series aired, and I'm now a Star Trek Next Generation aficionado. In the Next Gen Saga, one of my favorite episodes is called Clues. It centers around a series of mysteries on the Starship Enterprise, one mystery being a murder mystery. You see, the captain, Jean-Luc Picard, is a fan of Dixon Hill, a private eye and main character in a murder mystery novel series. Turns out that he often spends his leisure time on the ship's holodeck, reenacting the Dixon Hill novels, playing Dixon Hill, and solving various murder mysteries. Well, a second mystery that occurs grabs the attention of the ship's chief medical officer, Dr. Beverly Crusher, who's growing a particular strain of moss in her lab. You see, one of her hobbies and pastimes is ethnobotany. Her mystery plunges her into investigating what unusual conditions occurred on the Enterprise that caused her moss to show a full day's growth in a matter of minutes. Still a third mystery, one that stymies the chief engineer, Lieutenant Commander Geordi LaForge, eventually draws the captain and nearly all other bridge officers into solving this puzzle, because a planet they're studying suddenly changes its physical appearance and chemical properties, giving off readings that contradict information gathered earlier. And on top of these major mysteries, several minor mysteries surface. The ship's chief of security, Lieutenant Worf, shows evidence his wrist was broken and repaired. And the ship's counselor, Deanna Troy, 
A telepath isn't feeling right and displays unusual strain and fatigue. Well, with the exception of Captain Picard's recreational mystery, the Enterprise's real-life mysteries all have an underlying cause, a cause that is rooted in the experience of yet another senior officer, the artificial life form known as Commander Data, often called an android. As the story unfolds, we learn that the sector of the galaxy being explored is inhabited by a race of aliens who are xenophobes, that is, they fear strangers or foreigners, and they've devised a way to keep all curious explorers or invaders out of their region. Approaching starships encounter a supposed cosmic disturbance that they're led to believe catapults them a great distance away from their original position. In actuality, however, this cosmic disturbance is a ruse, a distraction, an artificial condition created to shield this xenophobe race's identity from outsiders. What they actually do is stun a crew into unconsciousness, then commandeer their ship and navigate it to a distant location, leave it there, and return to their home world. When the original crew wakes up, they believe they've encountered a disturbance, were probably knocked unconscious, count their blessings that they survived, and move on. However, this time Data's mechanical makeup renders him immune to the stunning effect. He remained conscious when the aliens overtook their ship. So he's forced into entering into a bargaining agreement with the aliens to protect the lives of his fellow crew members. And this bargaining agreement requires him to tamper with the ship's record of time and falsify the data gathered on the alien's planet to coax the crew to leave that region. But friends, human curiosity and unsolved mysteries and clues left unanswered all undermine Data's efforts and delay the ship from leaving that region. Eventually, the captain and crew are brought into a face-to-face -face confrontation with the aliens, who intend to destroy them now that their existence has been discovered. Tension mounts as Captain Picard attempts to defend the human race, explain that the human drive to solve mysteries the human zeal to put pieces of a puzzle together and leave no clues or loose ends to tie up is what brought on this precarious situation. Well, this tension is finally diffused and the story resolved when the aliens give the humans a second chance. This time they must rid the ship of all the clues from their first encounter, be stunned again, their short-term memories erased again, which takes about a full day, and Commander Data is sworn to secrecy, never to reveal what really happened. Well, friends, you're probably wondering what all this has to do with Colossians, right? And I'm happy to share with you that this drive to explore the mysteries of the universe appears to be an innate drive in us human beings. This drive was strong in the world in which Christianity emerged, and it is just as strong in our present time in history. The quest for knowledge, the quest to know the answers to life's mysteries, in my opinion, is a byproduct of God placing eternity in our hearts when he created us, as Ecclesiastes 3.11 suggests. And this sense of there being something out there, something greater than ourselves yet to be discovered, is evidenced by our wonder, our search for the answers to the big five questions in life. You know them, right? The five W's. 
Who am I? What is life all about? When did things begin? Where am I headed? And why am I here? Well, friends, these five big questions are actually answered in seed form in the first 23 verses of chapter 1 of Colossians, verses we've looked at together in the first two sessions of this series, verses worth reviewing before we move on to session 3 today. We'll skip Paul's intro and greetings and look at verses 3 through 23. We always thank God, and we refers to Paul and Timothy, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, and of the love you have for all his people, the faith and love that springs from the hope stored up for you in heaven. And last time, I pointed out that Paul mentions faith, hope, and love here. He continues, which you have already heard in the true word of the gospel that's come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it's been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who's a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and who also told us of your love in the spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience, giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the domain of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for in him all things were created. And friends, just let me say here that one cult group inserts other here in their Bible to make it seem that Jesus created all other things since he himself was a created being. This is totally incorrect and out of character with the remainder of these verses and many others in the New Testament. It continues, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him, and for him he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. Remember now, friends, our running theme is the supremacy of Christ. In all things, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation, if you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard, and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. 
So, friends, from these first 23 verses, let's extract those five big questions and see just how Paul answers them, okay? In verse 2, Paul's greeting, it's directed to faithful believers in Christ. We could steamroll right past these two critical words because they answer big question number one. Who am I? If you're a follower or disciple of Jesus, then you're in Christ. This is your identity now, so don't lose sight of it. In verse 4, we find the phrase, We have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. So not only are we in Christ, we have faith in Christ. Faith meaning a believing and trusting relationship, cleaving to Jesus in and for all things. Amen? In verse 13, we learn that we not are only in Christ and in a trusting relationship with him, we've also been brought into a new kingdom, a kingdom of light. And if that weren't fantastic enough, friends, we're not only in Christ, not only in a trusting relationship with him, we've not only been brought into a new kingdom, but we now have redemption and the forgiveness of our sins. Now for big question number two. What is life all about? Paul answers this in verses 9 and 10. This life that we now have in Christ, its purpose and meaning is to now about living a life worthy of the Lord and pleasing him in every way and bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge and wisdom of God. Wow! Let me pause here for just a moment, friends, so we don't get the wrong impression of this phrase, live a life worthy of the Lord. We could easily slip into thinking that we have to make ourselves worthy of God. And that would be totally incorrect. Last time I shared that this phrase, worthy of the Lord, is an adaptation by Paul from a common phrase in the first century pagan world, worthy of God or the gods. This expression, worthy of God, lowercase g, appeared in ancient pagan inscriptions. This pagan religious phrase pictures a person's life being weighed on scales to determine its worth. But Paul captures this phrase in an attempt to motivate or stir up the Colossians, as if to say, if devotees to pagan gods knew they were supposed to walk in a worthy manner, then certainly you Colossian Christians should dedicate your lives to the one true and living God in order to please him. Now, big question number three. When did things begin or when was everything created? Paul answers this in verses 16 and 17. Jesus created everything in the beginning including things in the heavens, things on earth, visible and invisible, the entire angelic order, and Jesus holds everything together. These sentiments of Paul are also echoed by the Apostle John in the opening verses of his gospel. Check out John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. And guess what? These verses begin with, In the beginning. John intentionally echoes Genesis 1.1, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Big question number four, where am I headed or going? Paul answers this wonderfully in verses 12 through 14 using two metaphors for heaven, the kingdom of light and the kingdom of the son he loves, meaning, of course, Jesus. And verse 14 reminds us that we have the promise of heaven because we've been redeemed and have been forgiven of our sins because of what Jesus, the Son of God, has done. 
Now remember, friends, many of us were not heading there. Many of us were previously aligned with the domain of darkness, and our destiny was the kingdom of Satan, as other verses in Colossians 1 imply. And guess what? Like many of you, I got a transfer. I was redeemed. I was purchased out of the slave market of sin and adopted into a new family, a kingdom of love whose king or head is none other than Jesus. And this kingdom of love is also a kingdom of light, a kingdom of revelation, if you will, true revelation, true knowledge of the one true God, and true knowledge even of ourselves. Finally, big question number five, why am I here? This too is answered straight away by Paul in verses 1, 9, 10, and 23. In other words, we're here to discover and do the will of God. We're here to bear fruit and grow. We're here to become servants of the gospel like Paul and Epaphras. And we soon discover that sharing the good news is like letting others in on a secret and disclosing to others a mystery, if you will. Friends, let's not forget our overcome in Colossians, the supremacy of Christ in all things from one eighteen, meaning that Jesus Christ must have first place or the priority in everything we are and do. Recall in session one, we said the will of God becomes our first priority. Friends, Colossians is about priority living. When the will of God becomes our first priority, we then display those five qualities mentioned in verses 2 through 12. We'll be faithful people, graceful people, thankful people, fruitful people, and joyful people. In session two, we learned that when Jesus Christ is supreme in our lives, we acknowledge his supremacy in creation in redemption, and in the church. Well, today in session three, our key is when Jesus Christ is supreme in our lives, teachings contrary to his have no place. Friends, Colossians continually addresses teachings that are contrary to Christ, specifically teachings rooted in humanistic systems of thought, human philosophies, so to speak, teachings that make humans or spirit beings the highest authority and refuse to recognize God's supreme revelation in Jesus Christ and his authority. In our generation, we use the S word, secular humanism, originally taking shape in the 14th century Renaissance period. It's now a dominant force in our 21st century. Paul's point here in Colossians is that the gospel message is not a mystery, not a secret reserved for a select few. It's now being broadcast to everyone, Jews and pagans. No one is being kept from hearing or discovering it. God's plan and purpose is being disclosed being made known, being openly proclaimed for free, not for a fee, as the mystery teachers charged. In verse 28, Paul introduces the word perfect, another buzzword used in the cultic vocabulary, translated in most English Bibles as fully mature and sometimes perfect. Unfortunately, Paul's play on words, or twist here, is muddled by our English wording. We even stumble over perfect, thinking it means mistake-free, which it doesn't mean at all. Probably the best way to transmit the meaning here into English is to use fully mature or complete 
<coughs> Excuse me. But even these expressions fall short. The Greek word here carries the idea and meaning of setting our sights on a future goal, striving for it, and not deviating from it. Paul seems to be a fan of this idea because he uses it again in Philippians three twelve through 14 when he says he's pressing on and straining toward what's ahead, toward the goal to win the prize. You see, friends, perfect for the Gnostics meant that they had become possessors of the secret knowledge. They were initiated into the secret mysteries. They were now in God's club, the in crowd. But Paul makes it clear that everyone in Christ is now privy to the knowledge of the one true God. No one's left out. Everyone in Christ becomes one of the perfect in the biblical sense. Everyone in Christ becomes complete and is not deficient as the Gnostics contended. In chapter 2, verse 2, Paul turns the cultic vocabulary around again and applies these terms to the Christian life when he says, My goal is that you Colossians and Laodiceans may be encouraged in heart, united in love, so that you may have the full riches of complete understanding, in order that you may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Wow, what a mouthful, huh, friends? In effect, Paul is concluding that the answer to everything, to every question, is in Christ. In Christ we have fullness. In Christ we have completeness. This is even an echo of his own words in Ephesians 1, when he says basically that God has summed up all things in Christ. You see, friends, we don't always appreciate the fact that the marvel for the Jews of the first century was that God's plan mysteriously included and incorporated pagan Gentiles into his redemptive program and into the knowledge of the kingdom of his beloved son. Well, let's distill Paul's thoughts in Colossians chapter 1 and part of chapter 2 down to three essential concerns. First, Paul was concerned about the Colossian Christ followers making headway and advancing in their faith. Second, Paul was concerned about the Colossian Christ followers being mindful of hazards and in so doing, proactively addressing the false philosophies, infiltrating their ranks. And third, Paul was concerned about the Colossian Christ followers not mixing heresy with truth. In other words, he wanted to be assured that they were steadfastly adhering to the fundamental beliefs they had learned when they first heard the gospel. These are the same three concerns we should have today, friends. Back in 1992, the Christian band For Him released a song called The Basics of Life. I know you'll agree these lyrics are relevant for 2021 and beyond. Here's some of them. We've turned the page, for a new day has dawned, and we've rearranged what is right and what is wrong. Somehow we've drifted so far from the truth that we can't get back home. And where are the virtues that once gave us light? And where are the morals that governed our lives? Someday we all will awake and look back just to find what we've lost. 
Then the chorus chimes in. We need to get back to the basics of life. A heart that is pure and a love that is blind. A faith that is fervently grounded in Christ. The hope that endures for all times. These are the basics. We need to get back to the basics of life. Another verse continues. The newest rage is to reason it out. Just meditate and you can overcome any doubt. After all, man is a god. They say God is no longer alive. But I still believe in the old rugged cross. I still believe there is hope for the lost. And I know the rock of all ages will stand through the changes of time. We've let the darkness invade us too long. We've got to turn the tide. Oh, and we need the passion that burned long ago. To come and open our eyes, there's no room for compromise. And I might add, friends, Colossians continually instructs us to get back to the priorities of life. Colossians is all about priority living and making Jesus Christ supreme or first place in our lives. Paul says to us over and over, don't lose your head. Amen. Amen. Well, friends, we're at the end of our program. Today's broadcast will close with an email where you may write me. One listener recently wrote in regarding the final installment in the previous Spiritual Warfare series on prayer with, It was informative and reestablishes real, solid teaching on prayer. There's a certain simplicity in your style, but it is totally backed up by a great depth of knowledge. It's easy to forget foundational things. Your study makes me recall the principles. Well, thanks so much for your encouragement. And friends, since a word from the word is a listener-supported program, if it's blessing you, please join a word from the word support team, especially now in these challenging financial times. Your support keeps this program on the air. Email me for the details. Well, thanks for listening today, friends. And remember, Jesus loves you. I'm Pastor Tom with a word from the word. Friends, if you would like to let Pastor Tom know what this program has meant to you, email him at a word from the word at minister.com. That's a word from the word at minister.com. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.